Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the Falzone Cisco Hour at, in broadcast politics. Welcome to another segment, and I'm excited tonight. We have a fantastic guest. His name is Jared Knott, and he will be here in a couple of minutes. He's the author of The Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. So, Mark, you're the rat of the week. Yeah, hi. Look, uh, we can look back to see how important the energy independence for us was. Now that uh, one of our main adversaries who provides us oil daily uh, is invading another country. Now we're subject to the rims of Russia, Iran, Venezuela, and OPEC. And what really gets my shorts in a twist is a handful of radical leftist ideologues in the bullshit Biden administration are doing this to 330 million people. I mean, this is absurd. I mean, absurd is, you know, I just, there's no words in the English language to describe these bastards. Oh, that's all for me. Oh, by the way, I wanted to announce um, of, of the 97 days I'll be in jail, 90 with Facebook. <laughs> We're Facebook. Well, I call it uh, fascist book. I actually call it dick book. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, as as we all know now, uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine, uh, fighting. But again, everyone out there, we're not fighting for freedom for the Ukraine. So when the left-wing media and the starts coming out and saying we're fighting for freedom, remember this, that Ukraine is a dictatorship. Uh, Zelensky is a dictator. He's a, and he's actually, wait, guy. don't forget, don't forget he was a dictator installed by an Obama-led coup d'etat on the existing Ukrainian government. This yes. is why Putin. This is why Putin was so upset. This is why he walked into the Crimea, which was part of Ukraine, and he right. seized it. He actually invaded Ukraine back then under Obama Biden. And of course, we can't forget Syria. Don't forget the Russians are now firmly implanted in the Middle East, where under Donald Trump they were not. Definitely. Well, remember, I thought the Democrats were part of the the political party that it was against war. They're against war. I mean, they're the peace, and they're the peaceful party of non-wars. Well, like him or not like him, Donald Trump, for years, there was no war. We had respect all over the world. But with, uh, and we had Afghanistan completely under control with just yeah. 2,500 men. And why I, he had to ruin that is, you know, it's again, it's these left ideologues in there. They're anti-American. They're un-American. Anything they can do to hurt America, they're Definitely. in with both feet. They're damn sickening. I hope these truckers run over some of these sons of bitches. Well, put it this way. <laughs> uh, Fidel Castro Jr., Trudeau Jr., um, he revoked the act. But let's not get excited. That's part of the emergency act, not the whole act. So part of it is that they will not be confiscating any new uh, accounts or freezing accounts, which is, again, illegal because they're not terrorists. They were just protesting. But in Canada, which is still a total dictatorship, no different from Zelensky in the Ukraine, but... Not one Western power, wait, wait, let me take that back. The president of El Salvador did condemn what Trudeau Jr., Castro Jr. did in uh, Canada, but no other Western leader did. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. These guys are controlled by, remember his name, Klaus Schwab. 
remember that name. We're going to be calling our guest right now, Mr. Um, Jared Knott. Good evening, Mr. Knott. Jared? Hello, this is Jared Knott. I'm sorry I cannot take your call right now, but if you will leave your name and telephone number, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Thank you. All right. Mr. Knott, I had not heard from uh, for so long, but we'll, we'll, um, we'll get back to him. So getting back to the whole situation with uh, the Canadian government, uh, yes, he did revoke. I had some people ask me, did he revoke the, the whole? And I said, no. You know, if you read the, the Emergency Act in Canada, and by the way, I, I lived, I worked for the Canadian government at one time. I lived in, in Ottawa. As a matter of fact, watching the, the parliament, I lived like two blocks away from there at one point. So it, it was uh, really, really interesting to, to recollect those moments. But the Canadian government right now is full of uh, globalists. Half of the cabinet, half of the cabinet in, in Fidel Castro Jr. Uh, Trudeau is they're part of the World Economic Forum Globalist Youth. They, they're, they're basically controlled by a guy named Klaus Schwab. Remember that name because he has bragged that he controls Macron in France, Merkel when she was in Germany, Fidel Castro Jr. Trudeau in Canada, uh, the president of Argentina. So it's uh, you know pretty much pretty much a, a, a large group, and uh, it's it's really really uh, good. Um, let me see. Jared, how are you? Jared, can you hear me? Jared? Um, hold on. He just, he just texted me. Says, uh, all right. All right. In the meantime, I wanted to say we're sponsored by Students for a Better Future, uh, 5013C. Uh, you can look us up and please donate. Uh, One thousand percent of donations go towards the cause. Very good. Um, yes. But anyway, uh, the other the other big uh, news is the truck convoy that is coming to DC, and it should be getting there by March second. So. That that's going to be um, that's going to be exciting. I think uh, I think one of the lessons that I think the Canadian truckers uh, and a lot of people have learned is that if you're going to donate, don't donate. To your recording has reached the maximum length. To replay your yeah. message, press one. Oh, to delete and re-record your message, oh, press. Me. Okay, hold on, Jarrett. Yes, yes, this is Jared Knott, yes. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you for uh, coming on the program. Yes, yes, it's an honor to be here. Honor to be here. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we were, I was mentioning to uh, one of my colleagues, um, my co-host, I love the title, The Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. I, I saw a clip on YouTube. And I loved it. I'm, I want to get the book. Uh, so basically, we have a lot to talk about, but let's, let's, let's get to uh, how did you come about coming down to 39 tiny mistakes that changed the world forever? Uh, yes, well, the number 39 is a little bit rhetorical. There's actually about 43 or 44 stories oh, in the okay. book, but uh, 39 had kind of a ring to it. And the inspiration for the book comes from the old adage that comes down from Benjamin Franklin that for want of the nail, the shoe was lost. For want of the shoe, 
the writer was lost for want of the writer. The battle was lost for want of the battle. The empire was lost. The empire was lost all for the want of a nail. It was a nice saying, but how often did it really happen that a single tiny mistake caused an empire to collapse? Uh, Readers will be amazed, and I was amazed, how often it happens over and over again. Wow. And one of the things that struck me is how uh, death led to J.F. Kennedy's presidency. That's correct. That's correct. It was a series of uh, uh, mistakes, uh, one connected with another, connected with another, in a very powerful, influential family, of course, back in the 1940s, which then, uh, through the sibling rivalry of the two brothers, led to him, Joseph Kennedy Jr., making a, a volunteering for a suicide mission at the age of 26, an extremely promising life and career was uh, was ended. Uh, it's a, uh, a usual situation. Um, I'd be happy to tell it. It's kind of a long story. Are you, we go, we can talk about that one. We can talk about some of the others. Whatever is good for you. Let's 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 go. Let's go. Let's start with the Kennedys. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, Inga Arvid. Inga Arvid was a, a journalist. Uh, she was a, a Scandinavian journalist, and she was allowed to interview Hitler uh, way back in the 1930s, about 1936. And uh, he was very taken with her. He said that she was a perfect example of Nordic beauty. And she accompanied him uh, to the 1936 Olympics. And she also apparently may have had uh, an involvement, a romantic involvement, with some of the uh, high-level uh, German uh, officers. Uh, anyway, for, uh, circumstances are not clear, but she ends up leaving uh, Germany and Europe and comes to the United States. And she's a talented writer, and she's a journalist, and she meets young John Kennedy who at the time was a, uh, a naval intelligence officer working there in Washington. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, uh, Joe, uh, John Kennedy's father and even uh, FDR were concerned, even got to the White House level, that uh, a naval intelligence officer was having an affair with a young woman who was suspected of being a German spy. She was, had been hobnobbing with the uh, German high command, so she was kind of under suspicion. As it turns out, apparently she was not a spy. But that was uh, the suspicion at the time. And the FBI had shouted them, and they even had a tape recording of their lovemaking in a uh, hotel room, I think, down in Charleston, South Carolina, I believe it was. Anyway, so, but they, they get him away from Inga. And by the way, John Kennedy liked to give people nicknames. He called her Inga Binga. But to get him away from Inga Binga, he was uh, sent down to the South Pacific, where he was a commander of a, a PT boat. Uh, and so, uh, to make a long story short, he's uh, uh, his first night in combat. Uh, he's uh, there out there in the Pacific, and there's a Japanese cruiser bearing down on his position. Uh, a radio call goes into him. You know, it's a Japanese cruiser uh, it, it may ram you. It's heading right in your direction, but he does not have anybody down in the chart room where the radio is located to receive the message. So the, uh, the Japanese cruiser cuts his PT boat in half. Uh, uh, three men uh, lose their lives, but uh, young John Kennedy, very heroic in uh, everything he's doing to try to swim out in the ocean or swinging a lantern, do everything he possibly can uh, to save his crew. Uh, they are finally located uh, to, to friendly natives, and they uh, come back. And uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur said that he should have been court-martialed for having lost his boat. And he later, MacArthur later denied having said it, but he probably did say it. Anyway, with his father's influence, a lot of uh, newspaper publicity uh, is, uh, is given to this incident. And instead of being the ghost, he's turned into a uh, hero. He's given the Navy, uh, the Navy Medal, a big story in the Reader's Digest, plus also in the Boston Papers. So fine, so hero. Then uh, uh, at his father's uh, birthday party up in Hannesport, uh, and John himself is not there, but his older brother is there. And one member, a friend of the family in front of everybody stands up and makes a po- toast. I would like to make a toast to the hero of the Kennedy family, young John Jr., or young John, not Jr., but young uh, John Kennedy. Well, that just absolutely galls his older brother. His uh, mother rose in her autobiography and said it was the first time that young uh, Jack had an advantage over his big brother, and it must have rankled him. And someone who spent the night, uh, that night with that, uh, 
Joe Jr. said he was crying, opening and closing his fist. I'll show them. I'll show them. So he goes to naval a pilot. Uh, he goes to, to Europe, and he's uh, flying missions, a uh, submarine chaser, and it's relatively uneventful. He does hard work and good work, but he says, "Gee, I guess I'm going to go back to Boston. Me, <clears throat> back to Boston with nothing more than a good service uh, conduct medal that everybody gets." Well, out of rivalry, out of resentment, uh, there's a, a very dangerous mission that comes up. Uh, and the, the mission is to load up a, a, a B-25 bomber with a huge amount of explosives. Uh, two pilots will fly it to, to a certain point and then bail out. And then by uh, television control, the plane will be flown over and it will be uh, uh, sent in to this particular target in the south of France, the, actually the, the V-3 target. They had the V-1 and the V-2 hitting London. The V-3 was another device that's firing a rocket every three minutes into London. So that was the, that was the plan, but uh, John Kennedy and John, I must say, Joe uh, Jr. has warned that the electronic harness may be defective, but he ignores the warning. He's up there in the sky, and uh, some spark—no one's sure exactly what happened—but uh, some spark or some ignition causes the plane to explode. The two pilots are vaporized, uh, and that's the end of an extremely, extremely promising career. Um, wow. He was to be the one that was going to run for Congress uh, there in Boston. He was the one that was then going to be run as a senator. Very outstanding uh, young man. He was uh, graduated uh, with honors from Harvard. He was on the Harvard uh, football team. Uh, very nice-looking, uh, photogenic uh, young man. He had a great uh, career in front of him. But because of that mistake, out of sibling rivalry, um, he was it was uh, John uh, John Kennedy and not Joe Kennedy who became representative senator and then president of the United States. Uh, young life lost to no purpose. Wow. And, and the Kennedys, the Kennedy family has had uh, a life amount of, of tra tragedies over, over a certain period of time. Yes. Uh, just one after the other. Uh, Rosemary Kennedy, that's a whole other story in itself. Apparently, uh, it was during the uh, flu epidemic of like uh, worldwide flu epidemic of 1917, uh, 18. Uh, a nurse was there when the delivery was going to be made for uh, uh, for Rosemary, but the nurse had uh, the mother just hold her legs tightly together and not allow the child to come out because she wanted to delay the birth. Well, that may have cut off circulation. Uh, it speculated to the baby, and she was born uh, somewhat mentally retarded. Uh, and then when she got to be a teenager, she was being very difficult. Uh, and uh, her father, uh, Joe, was worried that she was going to embarrass the Kennedy family. So he had her, the recommendation of, the recommendation of some doctors, had her lobotomized, and she was unable to speak. She just became a zombie after that, and her life was just uh, totally ruined, maybe with two different uh, terrible medical mistakes. That was one tragedy. Of course, then uh, we just discussed, of course, uh, Joe Jr.'s uh, tragedy. Uh, then there was uh, uh, Ted Kennedy, of course, was broken back, and then Chappaquiddick. Uh, John, mm -hmm. of course, is assassination. So it's just been uh, one tragedy after the other that's marred the, the family uh, for years and years. Definitely, definitely. What what, what other event um, stood out from your, you said 43 instead of 39 mistakes that changed the world? That's forever. right. What, that's right. Yes. Yeah. What, what others uh, have had an impa impact on you personally? I may ask. Well, I guess I guess all of us had an impact on this particular story. Um, I'll tell you, this is kind of interesting. The teaser is that a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction, changed the outcome of the Vietnam War. The United States might very well have won, but it had not been for this single tiny mistake. And I was in the war in Vietnam, so I was at least mm -hmm. directly affected by this particular uh, blunder. But anyway, it has to do, it doesn't make any sense that a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction, changed the outcome of war. How is, the, how is that possible? What are we talking about? Uh, it has to do with the Watergate break-in. The burglars, wow. James McCord and the Cubans, were told uh, when they jimmied the lock from the door from the parking garage into the office building, they were told to hold the striker in the door down with a single piece of tape in the vertical position so that someone walking down the hallway on the inside of the building couldn't see the tape. Well, they made a mistake. You can see this, by the way, in the old movie, All the President's Men, but they made a mistake. They put the tape in a horizontal position, so when Frank Wills, the uh, night watchman, comes walking down the hall, 
what's this tape on the door? Oh, the door has been jimmied. So he goes and calls the Washington, D.C. police. He had to call twice, by the way. And uh, anyway, so the strong rumor that they were going to send a uniform officer to investigate the burglary. But apparently the uh, officer on duty was uh, intoxicated in a local bar and could not make the call. So they had to instead they send a the bum patrol that was three officers dressed as hobos in an old jalopy car. So they pull up in front of the Watergate complex. The lookout does not recognize them as police officers. They come in the building. They arrest James McCord. Uh, uh, Watergate begins with a huge, gigantic scandal, one thing after another after another. Uh, gets bigger and bigger. And I, um, Henry Kissinger, in a television interview, said he knew that the North Vietnamese were going to be testing the treaty, and the plan was to go in and bomb the living daylights out of them again to get them back in compliance with the treaty that they had agreed to. But they were so weak uh, politically, uh, they couldn't. South Vietnam collapses. Nixon administration collapses. It all falls apart because of a single piece of tape turning the wrong direction and a drunk cop. Wow. And the Watergate uh, put an end to Richard Nixon's presidency. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what Richard Nixon went down in disgrace, South Vietnam goes down, was taken over by the communists, all because of a single piece of tape and an officer who had too much to drink. Definitely. Uh, Mark? Yeah, hi. You know, when I heard the title of the book, I thought that the author was referring to the first month of the Obama administration uh, because, because uh, you know, I called it the atrocity du jour. You know, there was one every day. But uh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> pardon me. But I see the author had a broader scope. Thank you, Jarrett. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I. Uh, I hate to get, I won't get political here, I try to go out, I won't get political, but you could, you look at the way the Obama administration handled uh, the uh, Ukraine situation and also Crimea and also Georgia, they were very weak, very passive, got taken advantage of, and you look at the way it was handled by the Don't leave out Syria, the Russians are in the Mideast again. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, of course, then he was warned, Obama was warned about the uh, uh, ISIS and, oh, not to worry, it's just the JV team, junior varsity team. No, we need to be concerned about it. Well, it exploded into this giant caliphate in the middle of Syria, uh, and that took a, a many a sacrifice of many lives to finally bring it under control. Badly botched, badly, badly mishandled. Uh, one mistake after another, of course, they openly say that they mishandled the situation with Libya. Uh, it's just they, uh, well, okay, it's a game that can't shoot straight. Yeah, you know, as far as uh, it it seems like Putin had a a nice era of expansionism underneath Obama and Biden. I mean, Crimea, Mm -hmm. Eastern Ukraine, Syria, Georgia, uh, Georgia, yeah, yeah, Georgia, but uh, Syria and and Crimea were actually territorial acquisitions. And the thing with Syria is it gives the Russians a, port, a warm water port in the Mediterranean. Yes. Yes. That's why, you know, uh, people say that Carter was the worst president. Now he's been surpassed by these two jokers we've just had and the one we currently have. Because at least Carter gave us Camp David. You know, people forget that. That was peace between Israel and Egypt. That was big. At least Carter did that. Uh, you know, you know his, yeah. his 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 record was one and like fifty five, but at least he had the one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad Hart wrote, went into the uh, current event, uh, Jared, because we'll, we'll go back to your book. But I want I want to I want to touch on the uh, this whole What's that background noise? Cut someone off. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, Jared, we wanted yes, to sir. make sure that the the whole thing with the uh, – today we focus on, on the book because I really am fascinated with the book. Uh, mm-hmm. But also Thank the you. fact that we have 
this current situation, uh, the, the whole situation with the pipeline, Germany mm-hmm. linking to Russia, that, that, that became a problem for Western Europe, uh, with the exception of Germany, and a lot of uh, the EU was opposed to it. Also, the Middle mm-hmm. Eastern countries were opposed to it because that oil pipeline, which was a, what, $11 billion pipeline, natural gas, connecting Germany to Russia, it wasn't that the key point of the discussion and why the current government, uh, Western governments were opposed to Germany and Russia building that trade? Because that pushes away everyone else. And then Russia, which is the leading producer of natural gas, would be making more money, which they are making money. That's the reason the, the barrel of oil is over $100. Uh, yes, uh, Ted Cruz uh, was saying that uh, the pipeline had been blocked under the Trump administration. He had actually introduced a bill that was passed that was uh, signed by law, and it prevented the pipeline from being allowed to be built. But then I think it's just uh, two or three days into his presidency, uh, this is all based on Ted Cruz. Uh, he was saying that uh, just four, three or four days into his pipeline, Biden approves the pipeline. What well, he says, he was, this is coming from Ted Cruz, that that was very important because the existing pipeline was coming through the Ukraine. And if he invaded the Ukraine, they would, uh, the pipeline would be disrupted and the flow of the energy would be cut off. That's why it was important to have one outside of the Ukraine. That's why his bill was so important, and uh, President Trump, of course, signed it, uh, was so important in preventing uh, the war from taking place. This is based on uh, what Ted Cruz says. Maybe some people say he's grandstanding, but uh, it did not happen. There's no accident that it did not happen during the Trump administration, but did happen under the uh, uh, Biden administration. Uh, Assume that four days into office, construction on it uh, begins again, then it's completed. Now uh, uh, Putin has a freedom of having uh, the flow of uh, energy. He doesn't have to worry about that, so he's, he's uh, free to invade the, uh, uh, the Ukraine. I'll go beyond that. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is controversial, and I'm not saying for sure it happened, uh, or as a quid quo quo, but remember, $3.5 million was paid to Hunter Biden from yes. the widow of the mayor of Moscow, $3.5 million. Now, that's the payments that we know about. Okay, were there other payments that were made that we don't know about? Uh, of course, obviously we don't know. But uh, what did they want in exchange for all that money? What, what did they want in exchange for? I'm just asking the question. Did they want a favorable ruling on the pipeline? Is that, was that part of it or not? I'm not saying it was. But when you're taking millions of dollars from the Chinese, millions of dollars from the Russians, uh, Hunter Biden is, and then that money is spilling over into the account for, uh, for Joe Biden, it's a very fishy uh, situation. Can you imagine if Donald Trump Jr. had been taking millions of dollars uh, from the Russians? Uh, Donald Trump would have been impeached and removed from office uh, ten times over. Uh, because Biden has a favorable support from the liberal media, uh, he kind of gets away with these things where a Republican would just be, the roof would just blow off if they did even half as much. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and something that many, many people may not know, 41% of, of, of the Natural gas, Western Europe imports from Russia. 27% yeah. of all crude oil by the EU, European Union, imports 27% of crude oil. So Western Europe will be impacted by uh, the Russians having so much control over keeping their homes and their cars actually working. They'll have so much control oh, over. Go ahead, go that's ahead. exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's one of the major mistakes, I think, I'm going to go ahead and just, I'll just go ahead and say it, that uh, the Biden administration closes down the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, they have not been giving approval for drilling in the Gulf of Mexico or offshore. They've also not been giving the approval for a lot of the drilling on federal lands. They've also imposed regulations on uh, producers and uh, also uh, the refineries, et cetera, et cetera. To, close, to slow down the use of fossil fuels for green energy reasons, okay, fine, but that plays into Putin's hands. 
that makes him richer and more powerful. It drives the price of oil up. It uh, makes it bring a lot of money comes in his uh, his uh, coffers. Also, it's put the uh, put the squeeze on the Europeans. If we were an energy exporting country, the way we were under Donald Trump, we could be helping Europeans out uh, with a lot of uh, energy, liquefied uh, gas, and so on and so forth like that, which would help alle- alleviate the situation. But it was just exactly the wrong chess move to make, which encouraged uh, that plus up. Uh, uh, not allowing the pipeline to be built, it just played into Putin's hands and allowed him to put him in a very powerful position and encouraged him to have the invasion. Yeah, you know, uh, the numbers I heard, now I haven't verified them, but they sound right, was under Trump, we hit a high of producing 15 million barrels a day. Currently, we're down to 11 million barrels a day. Mm-hmm. That's almost mm-hmm. a third. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was... Yes. But if we were down five million, it would have been thirty-three percent. So we're down about thirty percent, high twenties, in how much we're producing. And I, I said this before you came on the air, Jared. I said all of this is the responsibility of a handful of radical leftist ideologues. You know, the the Cossacks that rode into office with uh, with uh, Comrade Biden, and. Mm-hmm. 330 million people, oh, excuse me, let's take out the wealthy people, 325 million people are suffering for a handful of idiots in D.C. and the rent. <laughs> well, uh, you can do it. There's, there's a, a, a list of mistakes that uh, Biden has made. I wish I could say he's a, a nice guy. He can, can come across friendly old Uncle Joe on television. But, of course, there's a lot of corruption in the family with uh, his brother and also with his son. So he had a lot of corruption, plus he made horrible mistakes, just kind of one blunder after another. Of course, Afghanistan, we couldn't have been uh, more, more poorly handled, just absolutely sloppy as, they, as it can be. Situation on the border, we have a huge amount of fentanyl coming across the border. Uh, people dying of overdoses at an all-time high, and horrible as that number is, over 100,000 a year. That is um, only the tip of the iceberg. Hundreds of thousands of others are getting addicted and their lives ruined because of the addiction, because of the cheap and easily available drugs, fentanyl being at the, at the top of the list. Uh, they just uh, can't uh, seem to do uh, anything, anything right. Uh, it's one mistake after another. And this, uh, and this mismanagement of the Ukraine situation is just, uh, it goes back to the beginning of allowing that pipeline to be built. That was just, uh, just another example of a, of a, a comedy of errors. Well, you know what? I don't see this as uh, I don't see this as being incompetent. I see I, this I was as being about to say that. malevolent, malevolently purposeful. Uh, I mean, these people that rode in with Biden are anti-American and are doing anything and everything to harm <laughs> the American body, whether it's soft on crime, whether it's importing drugs, whether it's millions right. of people who have no idea who the hell they are and what diseases they have. I mean, we could just go down the line. You know, well, yes, of course, one of the worst things. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say I, I totally uh, I agree. You know, one thing is making a mistake here and there, uh, but mm-hmm. this current administration is not incompetent. They're actually deliberately destroying the livelihood of, of Americans. And, 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 and I think, uh, Mark, you're right. That's, that's not, go, go ahead, uh, Jerry. Yeah, well, we have a, a friendly, a slight friendly disagreement. There's an old saying in law enforcement, why assume a conspiracy when simple incompetence is the answer? Well, uh, I do agree that there are some sinister things that they've done. Of course, taking those millions of dollars uh, in payments from the Russians and the Chinese, that's uh, corrupt and that's sinister. And then also deliberately bringing so many people across the border. They're trying to uh, turn us into, I guess, a Latin American country, trying to get people to vote illegally uh, to, so uh, the, world, the United States can be more like uh, uh, California and Republicans won't win any more elections. Uh, that's, uh, that's sinister. But also, I think he's just a total uh, bumbler. There was an article written by Larry Summers, who was the top economic advisor mm-hmm. yeah. un, uh, under the uh, Obama administration. He was a former president of Harvard, as I recall. 
and he wrote an article yeah. a year ago, January, uh, pleading with the Biden administration not to pass the $1.9 trillion, trillion dollar stimulus package. He said it was going to cause massive inflation, massive inflation. And when, uh, a year ago, January, the inflation rate uh, was like 1.2%, 1.2. Now it's just skyrocketed to a horrific 7.5%, a horrible mistake, a foolish mistake. He's warned to, not to do it by Larry Summers, a, a liberal Democrat, uh, a leading economist, and as well as the Republicans, and who's right, who's wrong. Worst inflation in 40 years. The average uh, family uh, got a raise, maybe if they're lucky, of around 4%. Inflation is now 7.5%. So that's a nice big sting, a, a 3 3.5% uh, reduction in your buying power. It's a hidden tax to take a bite out of your, out of your income. Uh, in, in order to get it back in control, the uh, uh, governing bodies there, the Fed, may have to create a kind of recession to slow the economy down to get the inflation under control. I just mismanaged and mismanaged just one botched uh, situation after another. Right, right. And, 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 and getting back to the, the, this whole, I mean, and I'm glad you brought up the inflation aspect because the Federal Reserve will not be able to do anything about the, uh, the, the coming, uh, coming, coming economic uh, nightmare that that it's, it's basically going, going to entail the the real estate market plus the banking uh banking uh issues that are basically out there of very a number of banks that are insolvent but in regards to this whole russia invasion of of of, of um the ukraine this is going to give china an opportunity to invade Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwan, yes. Which eventually, when you rewrite your book again, these things are going to be part of, of your 50 tiny mistakes that changed the world forever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, as, we, as we know, uh, President Xi has designs on uh, taking over uh, Taiwan, I think they had a large had one armada of, of uh, planes that flew over about a month or six weeks ago. Now they had another one just a few days ago, 150 some odd, I think it's even more than that, planes flying over Taiwanese airspace. They're uh, rattling the sword and giving the, and, giving, and uh, sending signals that they uh, they plan to uh, to move in and do the same thing in Taiwan that Putin did in uh, uh, in, uh, in the Ukraine. And that's a very serious threat. And so uh, uh, because they, they perceive uh, Biden as being weak and, uh, and ill-prepared, they think now is the time because if they have a uh, Donald Trump or a, uh, a, a, a Rick DeSantis or whomever take over in three years, their opportunities may be less. Definitely. Yeah, especially, especially if DeSantis, uh, he's one type of guy that, he will he will not mess around. Uh, but Taiwan Taiwan also is a is a very rich country. It's the le- leading producer of, of chip makers in the world. Just like mm-hmm. the Ukraine, you know, mo- most people may not ha- have heard of where the Ukraine is at, or what type of resources. Like I've heard some folks say, "Why are we involved with the Ukraine?" Well, guess what. The Ukraine is the main fossil fuel, the seventh largest in Europe, seventh largest coal reserve with about 34 billion tons. That's coal. Natural gas, 1.7 trillion billion tons of shale oil reserves. So we are basically looking at a country that is as, as large as France and as rich in resources as any other country in the world. Uh, yes, they have. You're exactly right. They're also, of course, known as the breadbasket of Europe. They produce a huge amount of wheat uh, and uh, other foodstuffs. Uh, they also have uh, rare earths there. They have uh, it's, uh, plutonium and nickel and I think one or two other, uh, a neon, I think, and one or two other uh, important mm-hmm. uh, rare earths at the high percentage of the world's 
uh, commodities of several of those different categories come from Ukraine. So it's a prize. And, but uh, uh, I think I think it's more ego than is anything else. I uh, read an article years ago that said that um, you ask people, why does nations go to war? And the first answer would, most people would give, well, they, they do it for money, uh, which is sometimes uh, true. Uh, the American West uh, probably was uh, to get more land uh, more than anything else. But it's also uh, to be dominant uh, nationalism. Uh, Putin uh, wants to write his name across history as a, as a, a captain and conqueror of uh, rebuilding the Soviet Union. The ego uh, and the pride, uh, which has something, the same thing when you're going when people are going to a football game rooting for their team, only this is blown way out of proportion and is very distorted, evil version of that kind of pride. That's uh, half the reason, if not two-thirds of the reason, why he's invaded. He wants to rebuild the old Soviet Union. Right. Right, and, and and as much as resources, but also the fact that he's not too happy that the Western countries are pushing for the Ukraine to join NATO. Yes, yes. Uh, of course, now you look at it logically. Um, is there any chance that the Ukraine would want to invade the Soviet Union? None whatsoever. Why is he opposed to them being a part of NATO? Is he afraid NATO is going to invade Russia? No. It's absolutely ridiculous. So joining NATO means that the United States, Germany, all those nations together would be pledged to defend uh, Ukraine. An attack on one is an attack on all. American forces would be committed to being there at the border with our Air Force, with our tanks, with our, our Navy, our military to defend the Ukraine. That's why he didn't want it, because he would not have been able to invade the Ukraine if the United States and the Germans were there defending it. Right, right. We want to know, uh, how can we get your book? Uh, yes, uh, just go to uh, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, and that will take you to the website, and we have a book trailer there. We have also two and a half free chapters, and my favorite part of the book is the portrait gallery, and you have, uh, it can lead you to stories about the, uh, 28 different uh, characters and situations. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, that was, I had fun writing the book, and it makes me feel very good. When I talk to people who read the book and tell me how much they enjoy it, and it gives me a very good feeling on the inside. But you'll, you go to the website, you'll have, a, you'll have some fun there. Definitely. I, I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, like I said, I went to YouTube and saw a lot of the clips and really uh, capture my attention. Uh, mm-hmm. So at, at this point, when we, as the most powerful country in the world, the United States, we are preaching that we need to defend Ukraine from, from evil Vladimir Putin. But we don't condemn Fidel Castro Trudeau Jr. in Canada for what he did. Uh, Where is is the disconnect? We did not have one Western leader condemn what Fidel Castro Trudeau Jr. did. Well, yes, it's it's really kind of outrageous uh, because he was – Fidel Castro was a communist – socialist, whatever words you want to use, you know, the press uh, treated him with kid gloves and they praised him. Oh, Fidel Castro does so much for his people. Well, he killed approximately, one order, approximately 78,000 people were executed in Cuba. He's killed tens of thousands of his own people. Just an absolute butcher. Uh, he and his brother, uh, Raul, uh, mm-hmm. And if that were happening in a, in a conservative uh, country, uh, the press would just be in flames because it's a liberal uh, hero of the, of the left. He gets a, a pass and gets a, a praises. as praises sound when he should be totally condemned. He should have been uh, in prison and, uh, and uh, probably even put to death. So he, it was an, an outrage and a, a total injustice. And that's true over and over again. I'll make another statement. I think Hillary Clinton did things far, far worse than Richard Nixon, destroying evidence, destroying the cell phones, and so on and so forth like that, paying $12 million for a phony dossier to try to use that to attack uh, 
uh, Trump, a lot of indictments coming down uh, from Durham. Uh, Xi, by rights, was uh, things far worse than uh, Nixon had his own uh, problems, his own uh, crimes and mistakes. But Hillary, I think, is, uh, is far worse. And I want to say the Bidens are worse. I mean, the millions of dollars they were taking in bribes, having the uh, prosecutor there in U- Ukraine fired, uh, they would draw a billion dollars in aid. Uh, that's just uh, one corrupt act after another. But because they're liberal, they get a pass on it, whereas conservatives did one-tenth as much, and they would be vilified. Definitely. We have a question. 254, do you have a question for Jared? Yes. Yeah. I can understand our president's uh, it's not doing anything. We call him a sleepy joke. And in fact, our Republicans aren't really saying anything either. They're just kind of laying off our folks. And I'm wondering why that happened. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I couldn't quite hear the question. Could you uh, repeat that, uh, Cisco? Uh, I was wondering whether uh, there is a sleepy joke. We call him a sleepy joke around here. And he uh, hasn't really done anything for the Americans, but I also see that the Republicans are not doing anything either. So my question is, mm-hmm. why is that? They're not sticking up for the Americans either. Very few. Oh, that's a, so a really, tricky I question. The question is, why is the Repu- why are the Republicans basically being so quiet? Uh, I, I don't know the answer now. They are not in power. I just uh, pray and hope. I think a lot of us pray and hope that next November uh, we'll be able to take the House by a wide margin, be able to take the Senate by two or three uh, seats, hopefully, and we'll get control of both the House and the Senate. We'll be able to bring things under control. And it's a long way off. I hope in three years from now we'll have a good Republican uh, president who will take things in the right direction with itself. So, uh, Donald Trump, whether it's uh, Rick DeSantis, whether it's uh, whoever it might be, hopefully we'll have a, a good, strong leader three years from now that uh, will save the republic. Right. Did that answer your question? For. Well, uh, there are Republicans in, that have been really in, but it seems like they have been uh, quite down by the Democrats. And I think you answered my question. They're not in power. Yes, I guess if they were in power, they'd be able to do more. Yes. Right. Okay. Hopefully it's going to happen. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, hopefully Uh, in nine nine months we'll get back. Go ahead. Yeah. The one in Florida and the one in Texas, uh, they they have spoke out. Not too many more. Right. And right. Uh, but of course, part of the problem is that their uh, their comments are filtered by the uh, news media. They don't get the same kind of favorable exposure that a Democrat saying something uh, might receive. Uh, some people think they're not quite aggressive enough, but if we get power again, uh, a lot of good things can still happen if we can take uh, control of the uh, Congress, uh, House of Representatives, and the Senate this next November, and I uh, pray to God that we do. Definitely, yes, definitely. Pelosi would, it would be great if they took Pelosi out. Yes. I'm afraid so. <laughs> it's just amazing. Wait, oh, I have a question. Fine. Yes, which, 732, uh, you have a question? Yes. Um, I'm wondering why nobody speaks of China and a, a Russian connection. Uh, Jared? Yes, I think it's yeah, I think it's getting a lot of exposure now. Uh, just in the recent uh, recent several days, uh, they're kind of a new axis power that's being put together. Of course, uh, uh, one interested in Taiwan, the other one, of course, that's invaded. Obviously, as we know, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, so they are. Uh, uh, that, that, that connection, I think, is uh, starting to get a lot of publicity, and it's a very dangerous connection between the two. See, I heard uh, Trump on the phone. This was happened to be on the news, and I saw it one time, and I don't remember all of it, but uh, he was talking about China and Russia, 
And if they got together, there was going to be some kind of big problem. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if anybody else knows. I, I did not hear those particular comments, but of course he's exactly right. Uh, they both uh, have territorial ambitions, and uh, there's no one uh, to stop them right now. And he's uh, he was exactly right. There's an ugly situation. Well, I, I like to add something in regards to China. China is facing a very, very tough situation economically. I mean, their major real estate, major companies like Evergreen, uh, yeah. they're on uh, economic collapse when it comes to their, yes. their budget. So I think China wants to distract their people from their economic situation attacking uh, and taking over Taiwan is the perfect scenario. Would you agree? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, it's been an old, old trick going back many years. Whenever you have a, 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 ter- a challenge outside the territory that uh, can be used to hopefully galvanize uh, support within the country and, like you say, distract people from the other problems. Uh, China has stumbled uh, considerably with Evergrande and uh, their economy is not uh, doing well. And so the, uh, the, to uh, get people excited about the nationalistic prospect of taking over Taiwan may be uh, a tactic. And then plus, uh, uh, they just they want to have an appetite. Dictators tend to have an appetite for growing and expanding their empire and, and aggrandizing themselves and they just be an inherent part of being a, a dictator. Yeah, we had we had a guest uh, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago that knows Xi Jinping, which is the 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 leader of China, and he indicated that he has such a huge ego that he wants to constantly getting back to your book, uh, these events that are occurring today, how would they compare to events that are part of your Forty-three tiny mistakes that changed the world forever. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, I wrote an article, by the way, which I think we're going to add to the book, and it uh, I pointed out in the article that um, uh, in the last hundred years, two of the biggest developments in, in the medical world, medical field, uh, both resulted from carelessness in the laboratory, and the first one was way back in 1928 when uh, Alexander Fleming uh, discovered penicillin. He had a reputation. He was at St. Mary's Hospital in London. Uh, he had a reputation of being kind of sloppy. So he, uh, he was going on a vacation in Scotland for two weeks. He takes his dishes, Petri dishes, and leaves them in the sink. Okay, and he comes back uh, two weeks later, and he's uh, looking at the dishes. They were, had been smeared with bacteria. And in one of the dishes, lo and behold, a mold, a penicillin mold, had landed right in the middle of it and had killed all the bacteria around it. And that was a, a huge breakthrough. That meant that the penicillin mold had properties within it that could kill bacteria. And, that, and he, of course, realized the importance of that implication. He wrote a paper on it that was published in nine years uh, for people at Oxford to uh, pick up the torch and to develop the uh, medicine, extract the medicine from penicillin that could be used to treat people and it took a grant for the Rockefeller Center, uh, Rockefeller Organization Foundation. It took uh, the big pharmaceutical companies in the United States to be able to develop the, uh, the penicillin in large, large quantities. Uh, 1942 is when it happened. It came in just the nick of time to save billions of lives in World War II. And, of course, it saved billions of lives since then. It also not only penicillin, but the entire field of antibiotics uh, was, uh, was created, and uh, tens of millions of lives had been saved. Uh, one of the happiest stories in the history of mankind. Okay, that's one story out of a mistake in the laboratory. Also, Wuhan, uh, the COVID virus, which has now killed five and a half million people, that came out of a carelessness in the Wuhan lab, apparently, despite people trying to deny it. The evidence is getting where it's pretty much overwhelming that they had gain of function going on. They were developing a virus that could be dangerous, and it leaked out of the laboratory, and now five and a half million people have been killed and counting. So both of those major developments came from carelessness in the lab. And my book, of course, is Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes that Changed the World Forever. 
so tiny mistakes can have uh, uh, implications both good and bad. Well, I think one, if I may, add one that I think is going to have an impact on the world is, and I think John Hopkins University actually brought up an article was that the lockdowns have, have basically failed and have basically created a lot of uh, mental issues for a lot of individuals around the world and the number of suicides because of yeah. the lockdown have had a huge impact, even more than the actual virus. Uh, yes, that, you're very good. You're exactly right. They're pointing out that the uh, lockdown may have reduced the deaths by like two-tenths of one percent. But like you say, on the other side of the ledger, there's a lot of uh, school children going through mental issues, a lot of people going through depression, uh, the alcoholism going to a higher levels. There was a lot of deaths on the other side of the formula, uh, far worse than the little two uh, tenths of one percent of, of saved lives on the other side. It's been a, a major, a major mistake, and it's been uh, fraught with political uh, implications. Uh, the people using it as a, a political position uh, more than just the science. Definitely, I, I think that you're going to have a you you're going to have a lot of material for your next book. Yes, yes, the uh, <laughs> um, my my next book may be uh, it is a is a wealth a wealth of mistakes out there. And my next book, I I got it copyrighted here, is going to be uh, big blunders, big disasters, and review of the uh, many big mistakes. Or I mean, subtitle maybe. They should have known better. Mistakes that should not have happened that have caused you know, <laughs> catastrophes. Oh my God! So, yeah. um, uh, you want to? We're we running out of time. Do you want me to close with uh, one of the more yeah. uh, interesting uh, tiny mistakes? Oh, well, well, yeah, this one. Wanna, you want to give you? A, you have a website that also. Absolutely, absolutely. Go to uh, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters dot com tiny blunders big disasters dot com and like i say we have a, a two and a half uh, free chapters there one of them is on hitler the unkillable and it's about how it's amazing that he survived as long as he did one close call after another close call you almost come to the conclusion there must have been some demonic force keeping him alive all those years that's one of them the kennedy chapter is also there and we have uh, the uh, uh, website and the trailer and a, a fun quiz and it's kind of a, a, a fun time. We have a special this week. We're running the electronic download for a dollar and ninety nine cents for this week. Oh wow! Yeah, that's the yeah. That's a that's a that's a great price. And and uh, like I said, it's definitely uh, worth uh, looking into buying the uh, the book thirty thirty nine of uh, forty three mistakes that changed the world for okay. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing. That's uh, right. What do you what, what do you see? Uh, this whole situation with the Ukraine, uh, Russia, Taiwan, China, I mean, it's the geopolitical, we're in a geopolitical crisis. Would that yes. be a correct uh, uh, statement? Yes, I think so. I think so. Now, I, I do not know, obviously, I do not know what's going to happen. Uh, here's my best, uh, my best guess from a humble perspective. Here's my guess. I think that uh, Putin will not uh, try to invade Poland. He will not try to invade the Baltic states, uh, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. He will not because those are NATO nations, and then the United States and Germany and the rest of the nations would have to uh, have to fight. Uh, he has could not win in a war against NATO. So I think he's stopped right now. Of course, as I say stop now, he's taking over uh, Ukraine. Now, there may be a lot of problems uh, with Ukraine. They had also uh, won some years ago. They had won Afghanistan. And they were just eaten alive with problems. It's one thing to take a nation. It's something else to keep it under control, uh, as we learned in Iraq, as uh, the Russians uh, learned in Afghanistan. Uh, and so it, it could be there's a lot of trouble there in Ukraine, but I don't think it's going to be any more aggression uh, in, the, in the Western Europe. However, of course, we have the Chinese, and there's a very good chance they're going to do exactly the same thing and invade uh, Taiwan. And uh, once again, we're not going to send American troops there, we send aid, we're not send American troops there, and they don't have a chance to hold off the gigantic uh, Chinese military, so there's a serious chance that the Chinese may take, uh, may take uh, Taiwan. 
Yeah, it's a small island. I've I've been I've been in in Taipei and Taiwan, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful little island. But well, Jared, it's been a pleasure, and and we look forward to having you again. Thank you for coming tonight. I- well, thank yeah, you very thank much. You, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I, and uh, I hope the uh, listeners enjoyed it because I certainly enjoyed it. And thank you very much for having me. All right. Anytime. Next week, we'll have another important guest on the Cisco and Falzone Hour broadcast and politics. Thank you. Uh, Mark, any last mi- uh, uh, words? No, just good night, folks. Have a good evening. God bless America. God bless America. All God right. bless America. A- You're right. Okay. Have a good evening.